God before us, God beside us, God behind us, God above us. Be also now between us, a bridge through which your truth may move. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. That is on. Hashtag, how do you do that? Hashtag blessed. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> you see this a lot. I see it a lot in different places. Hashtag blessed. And I, a word from everyday theologian Homer Simpson. Okay? <laughs> I believe that children are our future unless we stop them now. That has nothing to do with the sermon. I just liked it a lot. I thought it was funny. Here's one. I've learned that life is one continuing defeat after another until you wish Flanders was dead. Now, you know who Ned Flanders was, right? I mean, most of us in here know about the Simpsons and have watched the Simpsons. So Ned Flanders is really the antithesis of Homer Simpson. I mean, Homer Simpson being the somewhat bumbling character, he makes some rather foolish decisions, and a lot of what he does in life is, is choosing the low bar. As a matter of fact, sometimes he's not even choosing the low bar. He's not choosing any bar at all, except for the one that, what is it called? Uh, anyway, whatever the place is where he goes to meet all of his friends. That bar, he chooses, right? Um, and so it's really one defeat or one reversal after another in Homer's life in a lot of ways. And then you have Ned Flanders, who Ned is the archenemy of Homer. Homer doesn't like Ned because I think in a lot of ways, Ned reflects something that Homer knows he doesn't have or is not going to attain. And so Ned Flanders is very religious, so he loves to quote Bible verses at Homer. His kids tend to toe the line. They're really, you know, perfect kids, not getting into a lot of trouble. They're not causing trouble. Uh, he seems to have a good marriage, a good job, all these wonderful things. And so you kind of set it up like this. Okay, you do good, well, then you're blessed, like a Ned Flanders, right? And if you don't, well, then woe to you, kind of like Homer Simpson, I suppose. Now, I have a confession to make to you, and I don't think I'm the only one that's going to make this confession. As hard as I try to be Ned Flanders... And as hard as I want you to think, as much as I want you to think that I am Ned Flanders, beneath the veneer, and it is a rather thin veneer, I might add, um, I'm a lot more like Homer Simpson. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, I think, and that's maybe a great fear of mine, is that as much as I try to do good, to do right, to toe the line, to do all of these things, that at the end of the day, I am Homer Simpson, and no matter how hard I try in this life, I will always reflect something that's more Simpson-esque. That there will always be, no matter how many victories you have, right, no matter how much success you have, no matter how much whatever it is, that somehow there is still this smack of failure that exists around your life. And we see 
and hear this word blessed all the time. We see it on Facebook. I see it on the bottom of about three-quarters of every email I receive. And I kid you not, I have a blessed day. And depending on the afternoon, it either makes me think, oh, that's nice, it's sweet, or it makes me mad. I think, well, what, what do you mean have a blessed? Flesh that out a bit for me, right? Are you sitting where I'm sitting? There ain't blessings rolling down over here, right? Um, so it's, it's like this. Oh, I made an A on that big, important biology final. Hashtag blessed. Well, what do you do if you're reading that and you made a C? Or you made an F? You failed it. Flagged it. Nothing. Does that mean that suddenly you're not blessed? Does that mean somehow you're, you're not worthy? That somehow, no matter how hard you strived or studied, that God just said, not today, Homer. Right? I got the promotion. Oh, you are so blessed. That is great. What happens when you don't get the promotion? What happens when you've worked your whole life in the military for 20-something years, and you don't make full bird colonel? You've been passed over now. And that means it's time to retire. What are you going to do then? Does that mean that somehow a lifetime of service is not worthy? Does that mean that suddenly you're not blessed? That so only you're blessed when you're Ned Flanders, when things go your way, when you're successful, when you strive, when you do good, but somehow that um, when you fall short, that you're not blessed. And I think our scripture lessons say something very important to us today about blessing, what it means to be blessed, what it means to have the foundation of blessing in your life, and to have happiness in a life with Christ. Because at the end of the day, that's what it means. The word that's used in Greek, and this isn't a Greek word study here, so don't let the eyes roll back in your head. Um, But the word means happiness. Which then says something to us about where we are in Luke's gospel. And I love the the Sermon on the Plain, because as opposed to the Sermon on the Mount, um, we're all equal. We're all on the plain. Nobody stands in a better position to Jesus than anybody else. Right? It's all level. It's all there. And he's laying it on the line for us. But it's troublesome because if, if that's what it means, happy, happy are the poor. Happy are the hungry. Happy are those who weep. Happy are those who are scorned. That sounds a little bit more like Homer Simpson than Ned Flanders to me. And I will never tell you that God does not have a preferential place for the poor and those who are in need. But the blessings and the woes in this Sermon on the Plain... That's you, and it's me. And I think that when they say poor, when they say thirsty, when they say wanting something more, it is those who have emptied themselves. Those who have emptied themselves of the strivings of this world and all of those things that you think are going to make you blessed, that are going to make you Ned Flanders, that are going to make you good, that are going to make you worthy. You've emptied yourself and you have room for God. And you see that it is finished. 
Because He has won the victory and He rose again and the power of resurrection moves among us. Happy are you then because you don't have to think that life is going to be one semi-success or failure after another because you are God's. And the woes, I mean, unlike Matthew, Matthew doesn't have the woes, but the woes, it's not that, that, that being rich or full or laughing are bad because that would accuse every single person in this Nave and most people in this town, by the world's standards, we are rich. Whether you feel like it or not. Whether you're living paycheck to paycheck or not. By the world's standards, you are. And I am, beyond imagination. Right? But when that becomes my striving, when I think that the world tells me, if you do this, if you do that, if you do this, then you'll be worthy, then you'll, you'll be blessed. When I buy into that, and it is easy to buy into it, y'all, go to middle school again. Have your daughter go to a middle school dance. And it is all there, y'all. Every bit of it. I gotta look this way, I gotta do this, I gotta wear that, I gotta say this, I've gotta do this, and what if nobody asks me to dance and blah 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 I'm buying into I gotta be rich, I gotta be full, I gotta be I gotta That will always fail you every time. And if you don't know that somebody has paid that price and you don't have to, life will be one defeat after another. You'll never live into the resurrection. You'll never have that power in your life. The power to change the world. The power to be in the beloved community. Because you'll be too busy looking out there. When we give the best that we have. When we give the best that we have. The blessing follows. The blessing of God and the blessing of God through us. Let me tell you a story. And I talked about the other readings this morning, but I think we got, we're, we're running into some time crunches this morning. But the other readings talk about it too. Jeremiah talks about it. He's talking to a people that had been in exile, right? A people that had known what it was to be excluded. And he talks about putting your trust in the world. You're going to be a shrub in the desert. He talks about parched places in the wilderness. Then he talks about those who rely on God are like a bush set by water. You're green even in the midst of dryness because dryness will come and dryness will go. Paul talks about it to the Corinthians. We forget the power of the resurrection. The power of life among us. So now I'm going to tell you a story. I had to talk about it. Brad, he, Brad Moore, who was at the convention, he challenged me. He said, you know, the bishop talked about all three readings in his sermon. <laughs> Challenge accepted, right? There you go. Christine Levine. Christine Levine told a story, or wrote about a story in a, a, a it's an online magazine called Medium, right? It's the, it's the online magazine where Jeff Bezos did his apologia kind of for all of the stuff in, that's coming out about him. Um, which, again, goes to show you, doesn't matter how much money you have, eventually, you know, things happen, right? Um, just nobody wants to read my apology is, right? <laughs> Y'all have to listen to them, so. Um, 
And she wrote in this article called, I'm a little too fat, a little too giving, and I think I know why. She told a story. And when she was about six years old, a child, her mother, who she said had basically was drinking their entire life away, decided that she was going to move their family, which was just their mother and Christine, across country to start over in a small town in coastal Oregon. She landed there with no job, no prospect, a bottle of liquor, and her daughter. And she proceeded to find an old motel. There were kind of those little bungalow types. She got the smallest room, and she paid a month in advance, and she got a sack of potatoes. And they began to eat these potatoes. While she, air quotes here, looked for work, right? And after about two or three weeks or so, the potatoes were gone. And Christine remembers listening to Walter Cronkite on the evening news say, and that's the news at this supper time. And she thought, what supper time? I don't have supper. And she looked up and her mother was crying and she wiped the tears from her eyes and she opened the front door and walked out and left the door open and Christine followed her. And she marched down to number one of the bungalows. It was a little bit bigger, and she knocked on the door. And she said, this is my daughter, Christine. We have no food. She had nothing to eat but potatoes for a month, and now we don't even have any of those left. I don't care about myself, but could you please give her something to eat? And Anita, Christine says, she doesn't even think she said anything. It was Anita and Van Vanover. She simply went to their table where they had set up a little two-person table. She was having a pot roast. And she gathered up every bit of it and she gave it to Christine's mother. The best that she had. All that she had. And then she knew somebody who was looking for servers and she got Christine's mother a job. And Christine says she saved my mother and me that night. She said, at that moment, I don't think Anita and Van thought they were saving lives or forever changing the path of a child. I think they thought they were doing what they were supposed to do when a woman with a little girl comes to the door and says she needs to eat. And years later, Christine had a daughter of her own, and they were having a um, fun uh, food drive. And her daughter said, went to the pantry all excited to give to the food drive, and she said, here, let's give them green beans, because I don't like green beans. And let's, I don't want to give them the macaroni and cheese, right, the craft. Let's give them this macaroni and cheese instead. And so her mother said she clearly didn't know her story. And so she sat her down and she told her about giving the best that you have. And she said, when you give the best you have to someone in need, it translates into something much deeper to the receiver it means they are worthy. Giving the best you have does more than feed an empty belly. It feeds the soul. When we give the best we have, even when it comes up short, it is a blessing, not just for us, but for the world. But y'all, this is what I want you to leave here with today and to know more than anything else what makes God happy. You do. We do. And what Anita did for Christine and her mother 
is akin to what Christ did on the cross for you. Anita could have made a peanut butter sandwich and they would have been so happy for that blessing, but she gave the best she had. God, God's self on the cross, gave all he had. Every bit of it for you and for me. And in doing that, he said, you are worthy. You might feel like a failure. You might feel that life has been one I'm sorry after another, but you are loved. Loved so much that I will die for you. But we look at that with Easter eyes and we know the resurrection and it moves among us with a power that we can only imagine. And it is that power that moves us forward into the world armed with that love. So no matter how much you feel like Homer Simpson and it will never go away, I don't care how pretty you look at a middle school dance, I don't care if every dance card was full, there will come a time in your life where you feel like you have fallen on your face. And you might have the world at your feet and you still feel that way and you can't explain it. You don't know why. You are the apple of God's eye. You are His ultimate happiness. So give the world and give God your best. Because God has given God's best to each and every one of us. And if you listen, not just at the end of the day, not just in your prayers, but every moment if you listen, you will hear God call you blessed. And in that, we are. Amen.